Olofinjana to Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. I think that counts as a celebratory night in the Potteries, don't you? Welcome to the next episode of The Wizards of Drivel. We've had a little bit of rotation this week, and I'm taking the head seat off Dave, who's feeling a little bit <laughs> jaded following the match. And unfortunately, Chris is away due to a suspension following the Telegraph's investigation into his bunging affairs with one Julian. <laughs> so we've had to draft in Barefoot blogger Ben Rowley for today. Hi, Ben. Hey, hey. How's it going? All good. And David, you're still alive, aren't you? Just about, yeah. Perfect. Okay, so we're managing to record on the day. This is probably the closest we've been to the, to the actual match time, so emotions might run high. But yeah, today was sort of the performance we've been looking for for a while. A hard-fought 1-1 draw at Old Trafford, which is, the I think, the first time we've taken points from Old Trafford for some 40 years. 1980, and... I think, was the last time we took points at Old Trafford. Yeah, wow. that's a long time ago. We've had we've had good glimpses in recent years of Michael Kitely and Dean Whitehead popping up with goals, but nothing like today. So, so if they were in that team today, I think we would have. Uh, I think we would have taken all three. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, Kitely would be getting over on Alvich every week. Oh yeah. Um, so let's go to I guess eleven o'clock when the teams were announced. An unchanged eleven, and I guess. A debatable bench. What did you guys think, David? Uh, well, I, I wrote in a recent uh, shoot blog uh, that I thought we needed some consistency in the starting eleven in these few games to kind of see us through these ro- rocky patches, you know, because I think too much chopping and changing can be really damaging, especially when you're in a bad run of form. So I wasn't too disheartened to see a unchanged eleven. However, seeing the bench was quite disheartening for me because of the absence of Imbula, because of the absence of Sobi, because of the absence of Munieza. We play one striker up front and we had three centre forwards on the bench and to me that's completely ridiculous. We had uh, Bojan as our potential game-changing substitution but we didn't have anyone else who you thought, oh, bring him on, he can maybe produce a bit of magic that can change something I'm thinking of no, I mean, they, did have, they did have Charlie Adam didn't they in that respect well exactly you can definitely change a game well exactly yeah um, I think we definitely lacked flair on the bench I think that's definitely true now of course we've got a great result and I'm sure we'll talk about that but yeah I was definitely disheartened upon seeing our bench that I, I think that's fair to say yeah, I think a lot of people sort of felt the same, and that was the thoughts, I guess, leading up to the the kickoff. Particularly that, I guess, the old guard are still in on the bench. But I mean, we started the game quite well. I think the best sort of compliment I can give to the first half was it felt like a neutral game. It didn't feel like a a training ground approach anymore, where one side were attacking the other. I actually felt like it was a quite even game. Um, how did you see the first half going, Ben? 
It was the first time in months that I've watched Stoke City and I've been entertained. <sighs> there, there have been games where, you know, back on the last season under Pulis and you've just wanted to go home. And I remember you saying in another podcast, you were saying we've got no style. We've got no set style of play. And, and it does make it boring. But today I thought... By playing on the counter-attack, by sitting deep and, and having that counter-attacking threat, definitely in the first half, we we took the game to United and it was a nice change having shots on goal, no matter where they came from. I mean, some of them, the Jeff Cameron ones let us down a little bit. I think we should have had at least one goal from those two. Yeah. Um, but I was definitely pleased with the first half I, the most entertaining was Lee Grant's reactions to his saves which <laughs> were <laughs> I don't think he can quite believe he performed quite as well as he did today yeah he was Go on. excellent Go on, Dave. yeah I, I was I'm very much in agreement with Ben here um yes Man United probably could have scored de- definitely one or two uh, in the first half, were it not for the saves of Lee Grant, and I cannot fathom why Ibrahimovic went near post for his early on effort instead of far post, and he sh- surely would have scored that. But first off, I I was really quite impressed with us. I was really worried about the kind of lack of creativity, but I understood the team given how we how we kind of set up against Man United. You know, we had a comp kind of compact three in the centre of midfield and we kind of hoped for maybe Arnautovic and Shakiri doing something on the counter for us and we created good you know one or two good opportunities uh, that Cameron chance you know we thought oh if Cameron puts that away we might be able to get something here and and we kind of did expect Man United to grow into the game and score against us but yeah on the whole it, especially in the first half I thought he played very well all across the park with the exception of uh, Wilfred Boney who I thought just looked off the pace. Oh my goodness me. <laughs> he was Here we so... Go. Nothing went right for him did it at all. He had a couple of crosses from the wingers and they were just air shots. Mm. I, I, I can't see how the striker that was at Swansea in Man City who made all these chances, had all these shots, scored one in two... He's not even had a shot today. Not a single shot. Not like like forget on target. I don't understand what's happened to him. Yeah, yeah. I think the closest he got was um was in the first half, which actually led to Cameron's so sort of the ball came That's in right, yeah. And yeah. both of them went for it. It was interesting that Cameron took up that position though, because they were doing some analysis at, I think a couple of weeks ago that a lot of teams were sort of had players on the edge of the D and there was no Man United players marking there. So whether they've picked that out and always made sure that whether it's Cameron or Allen or someone was bombing in on the edge of the box, because there's loads of space there. And there has been in previous games against Man United as well. So it seems like a real problem for them. And if, I guess, if we had someone like Bojan on where Jeff was, then we probably would have been celebrating a 1-0 there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, on, on the first, on the whole in the first half, I thought we did quite well. I think the the return of Shakiri has helped a lot to create balance and movement in attack. I still think Boney looks lost for for the one of a yeah. better word. I think isolated yeah, and definitely. 
when people are getting frustrated and I understand but some of us also saw this coming yeah. when Juve was up front early in the season. It was the same problem. You could have yeah. you could have anyone up there, and if they're not getting the supply, then it's the outcome's the same. Basically. Yeah, the the thing for me was uh, it wasn't as if he was missing chances or anything like that. The frustration with Boney for me came from his kind of defensive play. If you like, he seemed to be a very immobile. He didn't seem to be pressing the Man United defenders very hard. Now I think gradually he started to win more things in the air which kind of which helped us a lot but you you could put Mam Juve, Peter Crouch, Johnny Walters or Sergio Aguero up there at the moment and it's not as if they'd have chances on a plate to bury for us it, it was just the kind of I think the reason people kind of criticised Bone in, in that first half was he didn't seem to be uh on the on the pace at all, he, he he wasn't closing down their defenders. He wasn't winning much in the air, as particularly in the early stages. So it kind of it kind of makes you worry. If I mean he's had a he's had a full preseason. He's supposedly you know a top quality player, but he just didn't seem to have the energy today. Now that that's not writing him off. That's just I just didn't think he was particularly on the ball. Yeah, I mean I don't. Obviously, I'm not excusing that at all, but I compare him to say Jude, for example, where you you do expect the the pace, the the pressing, and things like that. It's not something you would have associated with Bonnie like before he joined, let alone when he did. We saw him as a I guess a target man approach, a change of style where we get the ball to him um, from the wings up top. He can hold it up and bring others in, similar to what Palace are doing with Benteke, sort of great effect at the moment. But it just seems like we're playing the wrong passes to him. We're playing like through balls for him to run onto. Yeah. And earlier in the season, we were playing short passing to Juve. And it's like, it goes back to what we were saying a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, I want to know what's going through their head, basically. Because surely you play to the strengths. And it doesn't sit, just seem like we're doing that. No, no, not at all. No. Yeah, and, and um, to be fair to Boney, he, he did kind of get better at winning these kind of aerial balls that I think we we kind of realised we had to kind of go the aerial route to trouble them at all. And I think he did get gradually better at, you know, giving them something to worry about. Yeah, I agree. And just to round off the first half, Jordan Shakiri on Chris. Oh, Martin. yes. Oh, Dude, my God. goodness me. That's exactly what we needed, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he sent him back it to Maid. So that was brilliant. <laughs> I'd be surprised if he's in the England squad for that one. But so moving on to the second half, um, again it seemed fairly even until the the double substitution of Rooney and Marshall, who was especially good against us at Old Trafford last season. Um, the goal was then, exactly the same as well, really. Yeah, it was just curled in top yeah. corner. I thought it was a bit unlucky because Cameron came across the cover and then his sort of tackle just fell yeah, straight to him. Yeah, I thought Cam- yeah. Cameron had done really well. I think I think he had a really good game in general, Jeff Cameron. I think he was one of our best players. But yeah, he just kind of he, he kind of broke up the play a bit too well, and the and the ball just sprang loose to Martial, and that it was it was a glorious finish. And I think uh, the decisive minutes in the match were immediately after they took the lead. There was a five to ten minute period where they looked like they were 
going to score a second or maybe even a third. You know, they were really kind of forcing us back and back. And you thought, oh, well, we've conceded a goal now. They're going to score a second and, you know, this could be a disaster. But we kind of just had to see out those few minutes and and then we got a, got a, got a, got a goal out of nowhere. And it, it, it was a yeah. testament to the resilience of the team, really. And I was very impressed with how we kind of claw, clawed our way through those difficult periods. Yeah, definitely. I think um, how they've how the team sort of developed over the last few weeks. I think the the back five now for at least the last two or three games has been quite settled. It's learning and stuff, and it's been able to manage the game, weather the storm, and obviously having Jeff Cameron now in midfield, it gives you that extra man coming back who has the yes the defensive brain to a certain extent, which does help that he can slot in I guess to a back. A defensive five. Okay, so before I forget, we've had a tweet in from Bulldog Potter who felt that we were a bit unharsh, unharsh, unfair on Glenn Whelan last last week. So, in terms of praise this week, I will say that his his free kick block against Wayne Rooney, where he threw himself down like a salmon, was fantastic. <laughs> so there you go, full of praise. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and, and far far be it from me to be, you know, banging the drum from Glenn, Glenn Whelan, but I thought particularly first half he was he was very good. He got in the way, which I think is his main role at the moment to get in the way of stuff. And he also played a few uh, really nice uh, cross field passes. You know, there was there was a couple of really nice balls across to Arnie on the left, which um, sometimes Arnie made them look good by bringing them down with exceptional pieces of skill but yeah it's a, it's a solid seven from from me today for Glenn Whelan yeah I don't think you can have m- many complaints with him no I don't think you could you could really give much grief to any of the players today I think generally they did well like genuinely well rather than sentinel rating well yeah but that's that's fine um we'll quickly skim over the last bit so the goal Screamer, wasn't it? What an amazing goal. That's goal of the season. <laughs> Definitely goal of the <laughs> season. Write it now. Engrave the trophy. See, now. it it was it was like a um it was a comedy in three acts from Man United. It, it had everything you want. It had the setup, which was the initial spill from De Gea. You think okay, this is this is starting to be quite funny. And then you had John Walters <laughs> kind of spilling it onto the bar with De Gea stranded. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, this is really quite funny now. And then you had the sight of Peter Crouch not knowing what the hell to do. So he ran out of the way into the net. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and it it was just fantastic. Brilliant play from Crouchy to see see the trajectory of the ball, thinking, right, I'm not going to get to this. I'm going to run into this goal, and Joe Allen's going to follow up. He's going to stick this in the net. Except Alan Crouch and Walters was probably here. Bearing dive of Bailly in my defence. And um, the sight of Joe <laughs> Allen in his blue Man City kit, jumping in the air against a backdrop of despairing Man United fans. I think that's one of the images of the season so far. Oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> and, of course, it could have been much worse in Man United where where the referee actually watching the game, I guess. We had a bit of a couple of suspect incidents with Ander Herrera 
going in on Joe Allen, who yeah. Howard Webb at the time said it should have been a red. Definitely, without a doubt, it was a horrible tackle. Really, I mean, it it, it was in the gentleman's area as well. Really, <laughs> that that I mean, I guess in the end it didn't do much damage to Joe Allen, but it's like. The studs were up. It, yeah. There wasn't any need for it at all. Out of control. I think if that's yeah. if that's further um, down on the leg as well, then it looks a lot worse a challenge. Um, yeah. Because that's yeah. a potential, you know, leg breaker if it's you know a yard down on his leg or whatever. Um, I also think the Pogba kind of clothesline of Joe Allen was it um. was. It, it was absurd. It was right in front of the referee. Yeah. They have an attacking corner, and Pogba grabs Allen round the neck and throws him to the ground. And you, you know, we've kind of touched on this in previous podcasts about oh, are we being targeted from you know corners? Are our referees looking to us for being offenders for th- uh, pulling in the box and whatever? That was right in front of the referee, you know, and it's arguably a red card offence and oh god <sighs> it was just it was just out yeah. of nowhere wasn't it it's just it's as if like i mean presumably that that music video with stormzy still <laughs> going on his head and stormzy's probably the film or something <laughs> and he's just like he's just snapped out of nothing and thrown out onto the floor but the referee's just right in front of it in the video and just didn't care mm. it's 89 8, 85 million off. quid barsley sneezes on him Barsley sneezes on Ashley Williams and it's a penalty. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it's... make any any sense at all. Yeah, there was a good there was a good chance no, of uh, good chance of uh, who put Rooney on the kitchen floor, Super Philip Barsley. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> from the Stoke Faithful today, That's who fantastic. also uh, had Ricardo Fuller, Andy Wilkinson, and Carl Dickinson in their ranks today, some kind of promotional thing, but. Uh, yeah, a couple of Ricardo Fuller chants were going in the first half, which is oh, it took it, it took yeah. Took me back. My favorite was um, my favorite was Ricardo Fuller. He would have scored that when I think it was when Pogba <laughs> missed no oh. flowing move, and it was brilliant. Yeah, so accurate. So in terms of wrapping up the game, Dave, you asked for some three-word replies to the game, so I'll run through a few. So Luke Smith has just gone for the simple Mario yeah. Joe. Mm-hmm. Rob Sprague has two points dropped. <laughs> for for <laughs> United, yes. yes. John Adams has the simple let's back Hughes. Yeah. Chris okay. Caldwell has on cloud yeah, nine. Um I I don't want to be like a podcast that just talks about Hughes in or Hughes out all the time. But um I've been, you know, very much in the Hughes out camp, and I'm not going to say, oh, we've just had a good performance against Man United, or oh, I've changed my opinion completely. Uh, but I think if there was a time to sack Mark Hughes, it would have been before today. And considering the games we've got coming up, you know, it would it would be definitely unwise to have a change in management now. Uh, doubt still remain, but much improved performance. So. For the time being, I'm I'm not quite Hughes out, oh. but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in a kind of grey area. I'm in the Hughes out, but not but not now camp. 
if there is such a thing. On a local garden. Yes. Just sitting there. Uh, the only time I was Hughes out was the initial half an hour after the uh, the Powers game. Mm. I I just think he's he's uh, this is going to sound very happy clappy, but he has done very very well with worse players than what he's got now. And I and it sounds like Pulis again, but I think like with the performance we had today. It, if we were playing a Burnley or a Watford, we'd have won that comfortably. Man United batted Leicester last week. 4-0 before half-time, three set-pieces. If Leicester can concede three set-pieces, then we should have conceded every corner that Man United had taken. But we did very well, considering. I don't think they troubled from set-pieces at all, actually. Yeah, I think... That's a fair summary. In terms of the, the debate, I always said I'd give them six games, which is at West Brom, which was one of our better performances. So basically, I timed it perfectly right. And I was never <laughs> to give them Perfect. Right, so to run through another, a few quick-fire three-word replies, Joe Allen God, soccer is back, season starts now, good soccer ball performance, yeah. and sodding international breaks. Yeah. Oh. Which is an interesting point because the momentum sort of broke up now. Yeah. You know what? I actually think the opposite. I I think that this is a good time to have it. I know that sounds strange with having played better, but if we go back to the last international break we had, we were dire before the international break. We came back and we were still pretty dire. I, I know we've got better since, but I think now that we we've had that confidence of a of a good result against Man United, one that we've not had for a long time, we can work on that over the two weeks break find out what what we're doing well and kind of apply that to the seemingly easier games that we've got coming up I think it adds an extra level of pressure to the Sunderland game if you like it it gives you longer to build up to it and I think it gives I think it kind of gives us more time to look at the next Six and six or seven games that are coming up, and it kind of gives us time to formulate a plan and kind of hit those head first, if you like. It's not like we've played Man United, oh, and Sutherland coming up on the Tuesday night, which kind of would be perhaps a bit more difficult. It kind of gives you time to, you know, regroup, assess, and th- these are crucial games coming up, you know. I think we have to beat Sunderland really, and from then on our season can either hit new heights or it can get really quite sticky but either way it's going to be exciting yeah I think at the very basic level it's two weeks sooner to Jack Butler come yes. back oh, 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 oh. we, we yeah. don't need him anymore no no, no, we, no, no, no. We, we need backup <laughs> we need backup yeah grand team Right, so a couple of the um, discussion points that have come up where there's only been two games with Lee Grant, but what, but what might have been had a proper backup keeper been acquired earlier? And another one said, does Lee Grant deserve a full-time, like a permanent deal with us? So I'll throw those two at you. Is he is he worth keeping well, now? Yes, I'd, he's definitely our best goalkeeper at the moment. So, you know, I'll absolutely keep him around. For sure. Um, 
whether that means signing him, I'm not really sure because, you know, we we could go into January and he could be our backup goalkeeper and maybe, you know, there's better backup goalkeepers out there. But, I, I'm, you know, I think he's streets ahead of Shea Given. I think there were saves he made today that Shea Given wouldn't have got anywhere near to. I'm thinking particularly the the low right-handed save from Lingard that should have really gone in. The the tip over the oh. bar from Juan Mata's chip. Um, for a goalkeeper that's only played two games in the Premier League, he he looks really comfortable there, and it's just so refreshing to talk about a positive goalkeeper performance. As Shea Gibbons been unlucky. He was yeah. unlucky not to keep a clean sheet at Everton, for example, where the penalty went in off his back, and you know, but. Yeah, as for giving him a new contract, uh, you know, signing permanently, not sure yet. Keep him on loan, see how he does, continue to have him around. But yeah, I'm I'm really chuffed considering how little we expected of him. Yeah, that, yeah. You agree, Ben? Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we've got Howard who we don't know whether he's going to emulate Thomas Sorensen or the goalkeeping abilities of the Danish pastry. I mean, we, we just don't know with him, really, do we? He, he looks so good in that preseason, but since he's been in the Premier League, he's been dire. And as you say, Gavin, turning 40, even for a goalkeeper, that's probably enough. I think, and and you can see it with his lack of mobility, and even like not not effort, but I've said before about Butland, and he talks to his centre backs all the time. Shay Gavin just, it, I've never it's, it's just his reaction speed for me. I think it's just um, he yeah. he doesn't get down to low fast shots in the way that Jack Butland and today Lee Grant does. I mean that's. It's it's just part of you know getting towards this stage of your career as a goalkeeper. I mean he's he's not he's not been a disaster, Shea Gibbon, but he's also not been a keeper we kind of need when our defence has looked shaky in recent games. You know, we we need a kind of shot. And also, yeah. what was really good about Lee Grant today, I probably should mention, was his um, marshalling of defence was was very good as well. Whenever the camera cut to him, he always seemed to be, yeah. you know shouting at his back four which is always a positive sign it always seems, that seems to me so yeah really oh, chuffed absolutely. yeah you'll become a fan's favorite if you shout <laughs> yes <laughs> so yeah. all in all did it was a solid performance now i'm gonna ruin it oh, with, no. <laughs> with a with a debate about joe allen okay because i have a a question for you. He's well, not even a question, a statement. I think he's brilliant, but I think he's his presence has sort of caused a serious imbalance in central midfield, and this is why. So at the moment we're playing three in central midfield: Whelan, Cameron, and Allen. Sort of on paper, not our not the best three options we have there, but it's working at the moment, which is fine. Now Allen did for his goal and. General Linker played did the role of a number ten, so what you'd expect Bojan to do in instances, which was very good. But that means that if you use Allen for that, you're not you don't use Bojan, so he's on the bench. 
But Alan actually plays in midfield, so he does the box-to-box work. So Ndula's not in the team. But we sort of signed him as a defensive midfielder. As a, we seem to seem to allude that we'd use him as, I guess, a wheel of replacement long-term. And he's not that because he roams rather than holds. So we've sort of signed a really good player, but it's had such a knock-on effect to many first-choice midfielders. And I don't know where you'd start to fit Bayern in Bayern yeah, now. Um, I think that, that those are all uh, good observations. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. Um, but at the moment, you could argue, look, he's in playing that more advanced midfield position. He scored two important goals for us and we've got two more positive results that have stopped the rot. Now, I, I would like to see Bojan on the team and it baffles me as to how Imbula didn't make the bench today. Hashtag Ferris Imbula's day off. Um, <laughs> um, and I would like to see Joe Allen as one of the defensive midfielders in the team, but for some reason Hughes doesn't trust him to be able to do that role and he's persisted with Glenn Whelan and in the last two games has decided to have Whelan and Cameron in there and try Joe Allen further forward. I share your frustrations uh, with this kind of ultra-defensive midfield that doesn't really have much flair to it. It doesn't really have the kind of num- a, a proper number 10 like Bojan linking up with a forward player. However, you do, I think you do kind of need to have a consistent team selection when things aren't going your way. So, uh, I don't know, I'm having an internal argument with myself. Um, I think it's it's very frustrating, but I think for the time being, you kind of have to stick with it and see how it goes. Purely because it's just... yeah. It did well. And Joe Allen was exceptional today. He really was. He Maybe not as, a, you know, yeah. an out-and-out number 10, but he was everywhere today. And I think Jeff Cameron also had a fantastic game as well. So, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um, Cameron works in midfield. Like his, his sort of physicality, he's, he's energetic, he's good at interceptions. I think it it's a perfect role for him, and we needed that dynamic sort of approach in midfield so it makes complete sense to have him in a midfield three um the only earlier one of the guys on twitter said that he'd the only way we'd sort of fit Bayern and I guess in the short term is if we revert to the false nine mm. formation which has got Tom Furrow sort of lighting pyro in his house <laughs> but I mean with Bonnie out of form do you, do you think Hughes will persist with him or do you think he'll try Bayern and a false nine anytime soon? I mean, he signed Boney as the man. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's probably... That's not what I want to see, personally, for now. I, I don't think he's doing a job there. But I think that that's, that's who he's going to play. I the, the whole topic about the midfield is an interesting one because I don't think we should have a midfield that is is a consistent force from game to game. I think depending on the opposition and how much we have to defend, 
perhaps against teams that sit back too much, we need to change the midfield again. Maybe maybe against Burnley, who we struggled with last season, because uh, not last season, the season before, because they sat back. I, I think we need someone like Alan, who's currently playing in the number nine role. We need Bojan there. We need Mbulu in the box-to-box role. And we need Alan in that kind of put some restraint on him. Even though he's not going to have much to do defensively, he needs to run that backcourt and kind of it seems daft work though, that midfield. It, it, it seems so daft much. to waste his talent, but I, yeah. I feel at the same time, the midfield that played today was the midfield that I would have wanted to have played against the Man United team that have just scored four goals. I wouldn't have wanted to see Bojan and Mbula there today. As good players as they are, and I think they're the best midfielders at the club, I think that Joe Allen's got to be the one that plays every game, but not necessarily in the same position. Yeah, yeah. I think this, none of this is like down to down to Allen as such. Like, I think he's done really well. If anything, he's sort of guilty of being <clears throat> the master of all trades rather than yeah. just a jack of all trades. Well, I think but, for him, that means he can play every game. Meanwhile, for someone yeah. like Bojan, he would have struggled today, I feel. Just just because I, I know he could have linked up with Boney, but I feel like the team as a whole would have suffered. Yeah, it's a, it's such yeah. a, a dilemma yeah. to be in, especially with Boney being brought in as a star man. Like, to bring him in as your big strike, big signing yeah. up front, and then to, say, drop him for Bojan. There's, there's no winning, but... You do have to sort of yeah. raise questions about what the logic was with recruitment and if Hughes actually knew what he was getting we, in a sense. It'll be but, interesting to see who he plays after the international yeah. break, whether he sticks with this very defensive midfield against teams. Yeah, that I, I, it. I think this midfield three was definitely the midfield three for this game. Um, I think it massively played into our hands the fact we were so compact in the middle and we we made ourselves hard to break down having kind of three defensive workhorses if you like as a midfield three rather than you know more flair players if you like my worry mm. is that Imbula is becoming something of a Van Ginkle figure because I, 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 oh, no, no. I, I really like both of them but my worry is that Hughes when the things have got when things have got tough for him, he's turns to his workhorses rather than his flair players. He's dropped Bojan, he's he's disregarded Sobi, he's left Imbula out the team. You know, I I think he's he's decided, right, times are tough, I'm gonna pick, you know, the people who run themselves into the ground and not necessarily his best players. So I think it could be it will be really interesting to see the kind of team he plays against Sunderland, against Burnley. Yeah. So. yeah. I think the midfield three were good today, but it's just... Yeah. Drops it, from that. I think there's going to be there's going to be complaints and ramifications regardless of who he picks, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I know uh, that Dave called for consistency, but if we play that midfield three against Sunderland, then it's going to be one of the most... Well, yeah, football, it's, it's, this, the, it's the same watching. midfield three we played against West Brom, and I thought that was a too defensive midfield to play at home oh, to West yeah. Brom, so yeah, yeah. completely. It's difficult. Incredibly difficult. So, as mentioned, we've got an international break coming up. 
We cast our fingers that none of our players get injured. Oh, God, nice. <laughs> God's sake. Varnatovic limping off today. We haven't heard anything from him, if it's serious or not. Hopefully not. Mm. But I guess the absolute final word on on the game today would be would revert to Mark Hughes' post-match where he was asked sort of at the hour mark when Rooney and Marshall were being readied if he was sort of feeling worried and it's like, like how did he feel then and they said they probably felt the same when Crouch and Wolf were being ready <laughs> and it was a, it was a fantastic bit of comedy but you still had to like laugh until you you cried a bit well Waltz has just got the assist it's another He's game got the crucial assist uh, in the equaliser yeah <laughs> and oh he's safe for another week Crouch played his part by getting out of the way you found yeah. the net. <laughs> he <laughs> ran full speed yeah. into that net. That's all we asked. <laughs> At least he got close. I don't think he touched the penalty area. Oh, um, can we can we mention uh, Eric Bailly's uh, shot, or rather lack of it from the the the, the, oh ball, the ball God, sprang the free and Bailly was kind of just behind the penalty spot, if you like, ready to lash it into the net. Fell over oh, yeah. as if he had been taken out with a sniper from the crowd. That was quite entertaining. I think that old chap <laughs> needs to step up their searches uh, pre-game because someone obviously had had a play in their sights. It was yeah. extraordinary. The whether ball he was, was magnificent. Like, whether he he just lost balance or whether he was so disappointed <laughs> that he missed the shot, he just thought, "Nah, I've had enough." <laughs> I think there is a there are a few videos on Twitter if people want to do a search as well. I've been getting sniped. Oh, well, that'll be something for me to go to bed to, I think. <laughs> to laugh with that, away. So, moving on from the Man United game, I'm just going to do a quick roundup of the on the youth front, because it was quite a, an interesting week for all involved. So, there's no under-18s fixture this week. Sort of having a break already. Um, however, there was finally, finally confirmation that Harry Sutar has signed from Dundee United. He is massive. So, Nope. <laughs> that's that, that for a seventeen that, or eighteen year old. He's twice the size yes, of that, That's all I yeah. can say about this lad. I don't, I don't follow Dundee United very closely, but yeah, God, he's huge. He's seventeen <laughs> and he's we've we've signed a giant. It's it's incredible. I can only are we bringing back long throw-ins or something? Because he would have been bloody useful back in Delap's day. Oh, oh, oh my goodness, bring Ryan Shotton back to the club. Put him in central. Uh, that's your that's your dilemma sorted right there. Oh my god. <laughs> Tony Pulis come back. What? Oh, well, you've no. done it now. <laughs> no, we'll have big sun oh. in it. It'll be fine. Oh, God. Some people have been asking for Allardyce. No, thank you. Well, if 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 someone can get around the FA rules and get a decent <laughs> player, then I'm if, <laughs> if things, fine with it. The FA can't. If get things anymore. went completely uh, pear shaped, I know who I'd want in to steer us away from relegation. Not that I think that will happen, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't he doing well? Ah, <laughs> uh, so on the. On the youth front, the under-23s ran out 4-0 winners on Saturday at... Which way? The Britannia Winners? Oh, winners? Yeah, they will be won. Stoke won 4-0. Yes. Yeah, they won. Oh, my God. Jason, if you could think of a two-word phrase that um, 
explained why we won, what what phrase would come to mind? I'd probably have to go with yes, deployed. I would agree. Embrace <laughs> for everyone's favourite Belgian. Uh, I've noticed there's a there's a Belgian <laughs> bloke favouriting all our deploying goy tweets. I don't know if he's you know Julian's mate, but yeah. Yeah, the the the, the campaign grows ever stronger. Um, there's also Verlind uh, in a reference to Timo Verlind. I had a I had allowed Timo. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's and with, if that fits more of the uh, deploying like kind of uh, mantra, but you can have that one. Uh, like, what like all badges. I also had yeah. Oh yes, that's a. <laughs> So oh, there's your wonderful. there's your front three who scored the four goals and the Linden and Telford bagged early on and then Goy got a brace. I think it was after half half time, but I'm not quite sure. Aside from that, um, Joel Taylor apparently stood out, was excellent at left back, and the young the youngster Edwards in centre half was also excellent. And there were some Andy Wilkinson comparisons, so. Doesn't, no praise doesn't get much higher than that. And because there was a Monday night game, it's worth saying that Stoke also played West Brom's under-23s, including such stars as Sado Barahino. Boo. Unfortunately, <laughs> he was being saved for the, for the important game. Whereas Stoke under-23s included Ramadan Sobi, who was recovered from a miraculous injury on Saturday. Oh. Uh, well, they, they, there West you go, Sido. You've um, put your faith in Tony Pulis and Jeremy Peace, and now you're playing our under 23s. You must be delighted. Yeah, but Ramadan Sobby probably put his faith in Mark Hughes, and he's playing in the under 23s. Oh, just, just <laughs> stop making it sound. <laughs> so, West Brom ran out 2 1 winners, but there was a goal for. Julian and Goy, so that's three in a week now, which puts oh, him oh, that's, at that's... three goals in the Indians 21 league, I think. It might be a little bit more, but he's definitely scored more than Stoke Strikers this season, who are still on a rounded score of zero. <laughs> oh, <laughs> delightful. So, so to conclude, deploying Goy. <laughs> um, I think in terms of stuff to talk about this week, that's all from me, David. Ben, do you have anything to shout about, promote? Um, I've got my blog on uh, the Shoot Magazine website, which, as we mentioned, was a call for consistency amid troubled times. I think I kind of stretched a a boat metaphor near the end. You can judge for yourself on that. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of all I have to plug. All I have to say, it's absolutely marvellous to get a point in Man United. Um, I was expecting a two or three goal defeat today, and yeah, just I'm, I'm co- it's very rare that we record these podcasts and I'm in such a positive mood. And so, thank you, Stoke, for g- giving us some joy for a change. It was, it was very much appreciated. Excellent, Ben. Do you have any blogs on Bear that you want to share? Okay, yes. So in midweek, I wrote one regarding Marko Arnautovic's 100th Premier League game, which was today. Um, It it was an absolute, I must say, delight to write, considering 
the journey he's had at Stoke. He started as a boo boy, and in the space of nine months, he's become one of the the best Stoke players of all time. To to put it bluntly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that so so there's that. If people want to reflect on an Altovich's patchy history to say the least um, and then I also write the uh, match reports for Bearpet TV as well um, in in recent times I can understand if people don't want to read them but as <laughs> as as we're picking up the points and we're getting entertaining now even I'm becoming a bit more um, encouraged to write them let's let's say and um, and and there's actually something to cheer about something to read something Something nice to round your weekend off to, I guess. Excellent. Okay, I think that's all from us today. Um, so you can find us on Twitter if you want to talk about anything else, which I'm desperately trying to search now. Ben, you are Ben underscore Rowley56. That's the one. David, you're at David Callagher. As always. As always. And I'm SCFC Jace. And there probably won't be a podcast next week because when the international break comes along, we tend to do other things with life. So you can join us in two weeks when we'll be celebrating Stoke's first win. No, 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 you've cursed it. What have you done? The amount of jinxes in this podcast today. It's going to be a celebration. What a way to end it. Right. Thank you all. Goodbye, Ben. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye, David. See you later, guys. And goodbye, Jason. Goodbye. (laughs)